Welcome to the Sales Career Podcast. This is your host, Kevin Hopp. Whether you're an executive, sales leader, or just getting your career in sales started, I'm here to help you read between the lines and hear the real stories that you can't get from a resume or from a LinkedIn profile, all designed to help you shape your own sales career. Let's dive right into today's episode and see what we can learn. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Sales Career Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Hopp. Today, my guest is uh, not only a good friend and mentor of mine, but he runs his own company. He's the host of the Sales Transformation Podcast. He's got a background in doing everything from, I believe, door-to-door sales to running and selling his own companies. Now he advises a number of companies. A very, very interesting guy. Everybody, please give it up for the great and powerful Colin Mitchell. Oh, man. You uh, really talked me up there. Hopefully, I can live up to the expectation that your listeners might have up until this point. I never started in door-to-door sales, although I always wish I did. For whatever reason, I always get envious when people come on my pod and they're like, yeah, I started knocking on doors. And I'm like, yeah, it sounds so cool. It's like a battle wound. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. mean, I, I remember when we when we first started talking. Like, you you do have some pretty raw sales experience that we'll get into, right? Uh, around that, the door to door thing is very unique. The two things that I always say that like uh, any salesperson should do at some point: one is collect money over the phone, like a really transactional sale where you're getting credit card digits. Or door to door, face to face sales, right? Yeah, like both of them are kind of like that really raw skill where you're like, got to make it happen right now. It's not setting a meeting for later. It's like, let's do this. Like that's a really yeah. hard thing to do. My, my first sales role was very, very transactional, um, and it wasn't door to door. It was over the phone, um, but it was yeah. The script was like warm them up, build some rapport, you know, throw out an offer. They didn't buy something, throw out another offer. They didn't buy something, change the subject. And then throw out another offer. And then if they didn't buy something after three offers, because people can only say no so many times, um, then you better get a commitment for a future order. (laughs) And it was just that all day long. Oh, dude, that is, that is brutal. Um, I, my, the, the time that I worked getting numbers on the phone was I sold to realtors, real estate agents on the phone. And I, I got pretty good at them to get their, get their credit card out an order on the phone, <coughs> pardon me, which is, um, yeah, anytime you get someone to take action like that is pretty, pretty raw. Pretty raw. I had Ryan Paris on my show from, um, uh, uh, he runs his own outbound sales as a service company, Ryan Paris. Go check out that episode, everybody. It's like episode three or four. And he started at the mall kiosk getting people mm. to redo their home bathrooms. And I thought that was a hustle, like standing in the middle of the mall, like, ooh, no, thank yeah. you. Yeah. No, I mean, nobody wants you. to talk to those kiosk guys. <laughs> no, no, I, I certainly avoid them as much as I can. Well, Colin, I have a bit of a structure I like to follow here. It's predictable for everybody. Uh, t- tell us who you are as if we don't know you. What's the two minute <clears throat> Colin story? Yeah. So um, whew, I'll go back a, a little bit. So I was raised by a single mom with uh, three brothers. We grew up dirt poor, uh, came up short, sometimes couldn't pay the rent, lived in motels, food stamps, you name it. Um, and I struggled in school, was not a good student, didn't have a lot of positive role models in my life. 
nobody was really telling me that school was important, so I didn't go to college. Um, was a bit of a troubled kid and then kind of got on the right path there. And my first job was lugging around furniture. And I was like, this was, you know, at like 20 years old, it's like, this ain't bad. You get to be outside, get some sun, stay in shape, earn some tips. Uh, but I knew that if I, if, if I stayed on that path and didn't do something greater than that, that, you know, my life was going to look very similar to my childhood. Um, and so I literally had to beg, pretty much beg for my first sales job. And, uh, when I did, you know, I, I made the most of it and never really looked back. Now I've founded four different companies. Three have been successful, recently had an exit, um, um, recently started investing in a company that I'm coaching, mentoring them on their go to market and all that. Uh, live in Los Angeles with my wife and four kids and have a wife that like honest, I mean, a life that I could honestly never dream of. Wow. I love it. I love it. If you're not rooting for this guy by now. I don't know what you guys are, are doing. Fun fact, everybody, Colin lives in El Segundo, California, which is right down the street from where I grew up in Redondo Beach, California. So shout out to a South Bay native here. Um, so it sounds like uh, it's interesting. You told that story and it's like it almost went from like not quite rags to riches, but we fast forwarded through probably a lot of foundational moments there to getting oh, yeah. to founding companies and having an exit like – so, so tell me, you know, in all your roles, what's been the most difficult sales job for you and what, what made it so difficult? Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting question because the honest answer is like, it's not really been that difficult because like, you know, we skipped over a lot of details, right? But I mean, like I had a rough childhood I seen my mom get shot when I was a kid, like lots of horrible things happened. So like somebody hanging up on me on the phone, calling me a bad name, not a big Ooh, deal, yeah, <laughs> you know? Wow. Um, and, and it's sort of one of the things that I think has allowed me to, you know, be successful is like a lot of this stuff's just not a big deal. A lot of these problems are like, Hey, this is still way better than what, what had the way I had it before. Um, but Hey, that first sales job, like it's tough, right? Especially when you are selling to like keep your job. Cause you're like, look, if I can't make this work, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, and so, you know, learning how to just pick up the phone and, and make calls even when you don't feel like it and you've been hung up on, you know, who knows how many times, uh, it, it's tough, you know, and, and, and my first sales job, you know, was very transactional and, um, and, uh, and then I would say that probably wasn't the most difficult, um, because I worked my way up to the top there pretty quickly. I was the first one in the office, last one to leave, came in on the weekends to send proposals, get my, uh, list ready for the next week and worked my way up to the top and then thought like, Hey, I'm great at sales. Like I should have a team. I should manage people. That's what's next. And, uh, my manager at the time kept telling me, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to give you a team. Um, and, uh, I got impatient. I just wasn't very patient and I probably like, I think he probably knew I wasn't ready to manage a team. Uh, I think I'd been there like almost two years at, the, at that point. And, but he just didn't have the guts to tell me, you know? So he kept telling me what I wanted to hear. And then eventually I left and took a VP of sales position somewhere else. And that was tough because I was not ready to manage people. And so I had to sort of learn on the job without really any good, you know, mentors previously. Um, so I had to learn sort of at, at the expense of the people that I was you know, responsible for. 
Yeah, I mean, that's uh, not a typical story that you hear where someone goes from, like, not getting any leadership to becoming a VP of sales. Like, you know, that it's it's interesting that, like, in my own career, I've thought that, like, I'm meant for management, I want management, but I, I like that you went 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 for it anyways, and you went and got that VP of sales role. It must have had a little bit of imposter syndrome, right? When, when you take the helm of a sales organization, you don't really have a lot of experience doing it. But, you know, what's interesting is, like, Everybody was a beginner at one point, right? Everybody yeah. started from somewhere. I, I tend to forget that. You know, part of the reason that I started this podcast is I am fascinated with the career arc of salespeople. Like, how do salespeople um, rise up and, and have these great careers and things like that? Like, I, I, I talked to, I had Ralph Barcy on my show, right, um, from Trade.io, really well-known guy in the inside sales world. And he's been at this for like 25 years, almost as long as I've been alive. And he's got a family and all that stuff. And he's never been fired or laid off. And I was like, how? Like, that was so, that was a really interesting interview for me because it just blows my mind how different people put themselves into certain situations like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's rare. I mean, you gotta be, you gotta be good at what you do, uh, to hold, to hold that stat true. Sure. But also there's, there's an element of luck, right? Like, yeah, I've been I've been very good at what I've done and gotten laid off because the company is doing a restructuring because like whatever right and it's like right time right place multiple times but maybe that's just me saying that because I've been laid off four times you know I've got Look, a bit of a opinion on it there there yeah I mean if I'm being honest I'm a horrible employee like I'm just uh, I am like I'm the one I'm the person that causes a lot of problems like because I want to do things my way. And, you know, people like me should not be employed. (laughs) And and what I mean by that is like, there's just, you know, people that are built for entrepreneurship, you know, built to do bigger, better things or do their own thing or whatever the case is. Um, Some people are great, great employees. You know, I like to push the envelope. I like to test new things. I like to, you know, take on new challenges. You know, the status quo is boring, you know, and sometimes inside of a company, like, that can ruffle some feathers. That's right. You and I are birds of a feather, Colin. That's, uh, I've, I've explained myself that way. The first time I told my wife that, by the way, it didn't go very well. <laughs> <laughs> she's, yeah, uh, she's probably like, you should not be telling me that. <laughs> right, right, right. She, I think I think the, what her response was, was like, I don't, don't say that again. I never want to hear you say that again. I'm just like, look, look, it's either all these companies are wrong or I'm wrong. You know, it's like, I think um, that's why I'm really proud of like what I've been doing this year, being completely independent and on my own. And um, yeah, Hop Consultant's doing all right. So, so birds of a feather. Next question I have for you, Colin. What's a uh, what's a story about your career? This is you know kind of non traditional start to your career. Like, what's a story that someone would never know from looking at your LinkedIn profile, looking at your resume. Like right now it's kind of cool to see your profile. You're an advisor and investor and owning Mm. companies and you got a podcast. It's like wildly popular and all that. But what's something someone wouldn't know from looking at that outside in? Yeah, it's interesting. I think like the one thing that don't people don't put on the, their LinkedIn profile is their failures, right? Like (laughs) how many mistakes that I have to make or how many, you know, times that I rack up debt or make bad decisions or, you know, do things, uh, that I wish I wouldn't have to learn painful, expensive, uh, expensive lessons, 
That's not on the LinkedIn profile. Right. <laughs> Maybe it should be. Maybe it should be. Like wear that stuff like a badge of honor. I don't know. They should have a section in that for LinkedIn. All the mistakes that I made to get here, right? Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, my first company that I started with my wife, we started that business in 2010. And we grew it from zero to five million in 26 months. So we grew really fast, um, spent zero dollars on marketing, uh, all just fueled by outbound sales. That's all I knew. Wow. So, um, and then we got to that five million. And I was like, okay, now what? And I started to try to get fancy and do marketing stuff and take on new services and new initiatives. And we were really a product company. We drop shipped products to mainly school districts and uh, things like that and government entities and started to get into more like IT services and launched probably five different initiatives in like a, you know, five different initiatives, probably in like a two year period. And literally every single one of them, the first four failed miserably, like racked up debt, hired, hired specialty sales reps, hired high ticket consultants, like spend a ton of money on marketing, like racked up debt, like you name it. It was painful lessons. Um, and then eventually I found a, one of the services I was trying to launch after all these failed one that it popped and it worked and we spun that into another business. But what I'm trying to say is like the stuff that's on the LinkedIn profile is the stuff that looks good. On the outside, yeah. Right. Like it's not entrepreneurship's not easy. Like going from zero to five with, you know, you know, bootstrapping with, you know, $0 spent on money. It's not easy. Like there's a lot of tough decisions and learn things that happen along the way of that path. Like success is not just this like unicorn, like, uh, you know, uh, all of a sudden you're a huge company. Like there's lots of ups and downs, both, you know, financially, emotionally, like yeah. you name it. Um, you know, people need to know what they're signing up for. And it's really not for everybody. Um, the the quote that I've heard a few times that I sort of identify with is like, I hope one day to be a overnight success 10 years in the making, right? Yeah. Like to, to take take all this time to finally hit it big and then everyone will look at you differently. Everyone will be like, oh, well, look at yeah, look, look at that. That's amazing. Of course you did all that. And it seems so inevitable once you accomplish something big. Um, but people don't see the struggles. Right. And I, I feel a little bit of that right now, running my own business. There's no one putting deals on my table or food on my table or money in my bank account besides me right now. And that's a lot of pressure. That's, that's a lot of pressure. And, uh, I think one day I, I could potentially sell hop consulting or do something pretty radical with it. And it will look like I've been crushing it the whole time, but you know, the real ones know, know better than that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, I have, and that's just one story. You know what I mean? I have, right. I have more stories. There's more examples. Like that's not the only challenge or, you know, uh, mistakes that I made, you know, in, in, in my career. Uh, there, there's more to the story for sure, but I won't bore you with all those other details. That's just one example. Yeah. Well, we'll save it for part two. We'll, we'll have yeah. you back on the pod. So my next question for you. How did, uh, I usually ask, how did you get your most recent job or promotion? Why don't we talk a little bit about your company, the company you spend most of your time with today. How, how did that come around? Yeah, so I think you probably know parts of the story um, just, you know, from us being friends and working together. But um, so I actually had a, I had a, um, 
uh, tech company before. So we were a voice over IP software for, you know, a cloud-based phone system. Um, I actually started that from another company that I had. That was that last number five service that, you know, I launched that initiative that actually popped and we spun it into another business. So I was growing that business. Um, and I had worked with, uh, my bit now, you know, co-founder business partner, Chris of Salescast. um, had worked with him for a growth market he was at a growth marketing agency and we did some work together and then I hadn't heard from him in a while and he started, I seen him starting to pop up in my LinkedIn feed and he was posting content that like nobody else was posting, right? Most of the stuff you see is like, Hey, look how awesome I am and how great things are. And like, he was just posting real stuff, you know, um, real authentic, um, things. And I was like, you know, I was just curious, like, what the heck are you doing? What are you working on? Um, and he's like, Hey, why don't you come into my studio and come on my podcast? And I'm like, sure. At that point, I'd never been on a podcast before. It's the first Whoa. time I'd ever been on a podcast. Big moment um, for you. And it, yeah. And I was like thinking like, yeah, I'm, you know, pretty hot stuff here. You know, he wants me on his podcast. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, um, I mean, I was not even a big, big podcast listener at the time. I occasionally listened to, you know, some podcasts, but I wasn't like a regular podcast listener. Um, and so went into his studio, went on the podcast. We talked about like life work balance or something like that. And I was like, this is awesome. And I was like, I think I want to start a podcast. And he was like, sure. Uh, you know, I think I can help you with that. And so the idea there was we were starting it, you know, for my other company and he was just going to help with doing some of the creative stuff. And, uh, and I was like, look, I'm super busy at the time I had three kids and, uh, and was running three companies. And I was like, I think I could do like one or two episodes a month. (laughs) And he was just kind of willing to meet me where I was at. And he's like, sure, whatever you're comfortable with. Um, and then another gentleman that he was doing work with, um, who had a really successful podcast, he had like the number one HR podcast, uh, on, on Apple. And he's like, Oh no, you want to do one or two a month? Like, don't bother. <laughs> like, wow. why would you do that? Uh, he's like, first of all, you want to batch record like 20, 20, 21 episodes and then release them daily. And then you'll get listed in the new noteworthy section of Apple. And I'm like, He's got a top podcast. Like clearly yeah. he knows what he's talking about. And so I'm like, Chris, I guess we're doing 20 episodes, 21 episodes and through in, you know, and we're going to release them daily. He's like, all right. And, um, so we did that and then we never got listed on the new noteworthy section ever. But Dang. what happened is we like created a lot of content in a short period of time, created a process, saw that we worked insanely well together. Um, and that podcast had a goal of trying to grow revenue for my other business, but it wasn't really working. And the thing that kept coming up is people were coming on the podcast um, and they were like, hey, I think I want to start a podcast. Like, how do I get started? And I was like, uh, I think we can help you with that. <laughs> you know, and so that's sort of how Southcast was born. So for those that don't know, Colin now runs a super successful podcast that has over a million downloads. <laughs> which is a lot. Uh, I'm pretty sure, what, top 1% of all podcasts? Top half percent of my category, yeah. Top half yeah. percent of his category. So that was the, the humble beginnings of what has been a meteoric rise in the, in the podcasting world. Um, incredible. I, I love that. I love that. Uh, my next question is a little bit less fun and, and probably less inspirational, but have you ever been fired or laid off? And if so, you know, what, what can, what can people learn from your experience? 
Yeah, I've been fired. Um, never been laid off. So I was, I was fired. It was actually, I guess, technically it was my job before furniture, right? So it was a sales job, but I guess I never really counted because I didn't last very long. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, it was like two weeks in a boiler room training uh, where you like learn how to, you know, the scripts and this, that, and the other. And then it was like, I was like one week on the phones and then I showed up late and I got fired. Whoa. You showed so up guess, late and got fired just like that. Yeah. I mean, it was like, it was like the type of environment there was like, if you had a pulse, you could get a job. Uh, and okay. So it was just like, they had a lot of like in and out and it was like, they just had like zero tolerance. So, um, I showed up late and got fired. Whoa. Well, that's I wasn't kinda... performing. I clearly wasn't performing. Right. Like, I mean, as well. Right. So it was just like, hey, it's a good reason to get rid of him. Um, so yeah, I got fired from that job. That is the only time I got fired. What'd you learn from that though? Anything? Or is it just like, you know, screw that company? <laughs> Don't show up late. <laughs> Don't show up late. <laughs> or show up on or time. if you're going to show up late, make sure you're performing. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, like the rules are a little bit more flexible, you know, depending on your performance. Like clearly, that's just how it works. Like whether people want to admit it or not, that's the way it works. It is the but, way it works. I, I remember when I was in SDR, uh, we had one account executive on the account executive team that really crushed it. And the dude like, the, the, the SDRs and I would sit in the back doing the math on his commission checks because at the all hands me, they talk about all the, and we'd be like, <laughs> Dude, that's my salary. That's my year-long salary that he just made in one quarter in commission. And that guy, when he would close a big deal, he would come to work, whatever the rest of the week was, whether it was just Friday or Thursday or Friday, he'd come to work in basketball shorts and a t-shirt. And all of us were wearing like button-down shirts and like jeans or yeah. slacks every day. And I was like, dang, the rules are different if you are balling. Like if you're you're crushing it, it, it you know. And, and so you that's where... To, yeah. You had the dress for success get up on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, it was, you want to you be successful, you got to feel successful. <laughs> I mean, there was a culture there. There's definitely a culture there. And I think that there, there's, a, there's a whole conversation to be had around like what's it going to be like for the generation that is just entering the workforce in this post-COVID world where you might not ever get in-person training. Like you might never meet your team and work for a company for three, four, five years. Yeah, the office culture was something I'm glad I experienced, and I'm really glad I don't deal with anymore. Right, like I, I, I'm wearing shorts right now. I'm not going to show you because that awkward angle, but I, I am wearing shorts. Are you right really? Now. No, I really, really am. I am. I am. Look, 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 boom! There you go. Show my shorts on my podcast. There you go. We're wearing <laughs> shorts. Working, Workout shorts. <laughs> working from home, wearing comfortable shorts, making money. If you told me this was possible in 2017, 2016, I would have been like, ah, I don't, I don't know, man. I have to win the lottery yeah. or something. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's a lot of sales orgs that used to think like, got to have that call pit, you know, got to have that, that energy. But I think people are realizing like, you don't, not everybody has to have that. And technology is bridging the gaps in ways that it never has before. I, I'm a huge proponent for this, right? Like I, I do love the idea of a call pit. I love the idea of a call first culture, but you don't need to be in person. You don't need to be shoulder to shoulder anymore. And in fact, the argument that I will make using evidence of my clients is, look, you can create a very highly productive at work from home calling culture, outbound sales culture, if you do it the right way. Structure, process, technology. So... 
Yeah. That's the that's the five second advertisement for Hop Consulting Group. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, people would have never thought it was possible, and that's right. it clearly is. And uh, you know, but I think that everybody, it's a good experience to experience. You know, being in, you know, a, a lot of people like me and yourself and and others. Um, you know, start in that boiler room type of environment. Yeah. There's, you know, something, there is something about it. But there's also, there's a lot of like waste in, you know, in an in office environment. There's a lot of oh, yeah. wasted time that happens, right? And it's like, you can just, at home, you can, uh, you can just get the job done and not waste a lot of time. That's right. That's right. I think um, the, the idea of like, you have to be seen, like, I remember that. I, for a period of time, I worked at a company where it was optics, meaning if I don't see you at your desk, that's bad, you know? And I, I coached one time of like, Kevin, you spend too much time not at your desk. I'm like, I can work anywhere. I, I can work on that couch. You know, the couch is actually more comfortable. You know, it, 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 I always thought, thought that was really silly. So glad that is done. Well, l- last question I have for you, and then we're going to get to a rapid fire question round. But this one's really important, and I'm really curious to hear your take on it. So... If you could go back to the first day you started your sales career, what's the one piece of advice you would give yourself? To be different. Be, you know, be like different I than was, what? Different, different than be different than your typical salesperson. I was like every other salesperson that everybody hates. Yeah. I mean, that's where I started. You know, I was very transactional. It was all about me. It was all about my commission. Um, I thought everybody should sell the way I sell. Um, because I had success. Um, so I was like, you're everything that people hate about a salesperson. That was me. (laughs) And like the people that take the path of like not being that and being different are very successful. And I think it's also, that's what people want these days, right? Is, is to really stand out as a seller. You gotta be, you gotta be different. You can't be showing up like every other salesperson. I, it's really interesting that that's your advice because one of the things that I, I coach, I, I coach a lot of BDRs, right? Entry level teams. And what I, one of the things I coach them on is whatever the first thing that comes to your mind when you go to write a sales email or the first thing you want to say, don't say it. Why? Because that's what everyone else is saying. I'd love to get 15 minutes of your time to show you my solutions, right? That is the most, yeah. if, if I am selling a product to a market, I'm going to think, Okay, what do you want in this situation? Tell them. Tell them what you want. Because every other moment in your life, when you're in the supermarket, when you're anywhere else, you're like, I, I, I would really like that pork chop, Mr. Butcher. I would like this. I want that. I want this. Yeah. Sales, that's the laziest, easiest way that you can talk, and a lot of people still do it. Um, but to your point, do it different, and, and you see unusual, unusually high success. That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Well, I got a few rapid fire questions for you that I like to ask everybody. And um, I, I gave you the, the, the previous questions ahead of time, but for the audience's knowledge, you do not know what questions I'm about to ask. So give me, give me the fastest response you got. You ready? I'm ready. Let's do this. All right. Question number one. Do you believe that salespeople should be money motivated? No. Oh, no. Come on, man. Unpopular, unpopular answer, but no. It is an unpopular answer. Next question. Do you think that cold calling's dead? Absolutely not. It's ridiculous. It's like blasphemy. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Music to my ears. Music to my ears. Um, which is more important? If you had to choose one, 
from the highest level, which one's more important in a go-to-market strategy, sales or marketing? Sales. Sales. That's right. It's the right answer. This is a sales podcast. You'd be surprised how many salespeople I bring on here and they're like, marketing. I'm like, what? Come on, man. You shouldn't even publish those. I know, right? Those are are burner episodes. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Depending on how you answer the rapid fire will depend on whether we publish your episode. That's right. That's right. Got to match the agenda to a certain extent. All right. Last question for you, Colin, and I'll let you get out of here. If you woke up tomorrow and you had all the money in the world, all the money you could ever want, and you didn't have to work, what would you do with your time? If I didn't have to work, I'd probably spend a lot of time with my family, obviously, but uh, I would still work. Like, <laughs> I would. You're one of these guys. I'm one of the. I'm one of those I guys. Roll. Like, not. I would. I would. I would do. I would do things that I enjoy. So I'd coach people, mentor people. I would definitely still have a podcast. I'd have the best damn podcast on this planet. Um, and that's probably about it. I dig that. I dig that. Uh, you know, there's, there's, I, I don't know if you've, um, ever read the book. Uh, I think it's called Ikigai. Have you ever read that? Uh, no, but I know what that is. So it's, it's about like centenarians, right? People to live past hundred years. Mm-hmm. And most of these people live in Japan. They're like 120 years old. They live too. Or like, they think the oldest is like 144. Right. And it has a lot to do with keeping your mind active. Right. So a lot of times people don't know this, but they, they retire, they work, put all their years in, they retire. And then, you know, they don't constantly challenge their mind. And that's when your mind starts to deteriorate. And so keeping, you know, physically active, keeping your mind active are important for living like a long life and doing things that you find joy in is also a big component of as well. I believe it. I believe it. It's just like the, the thing I struggle with is like, there's a bit of a grind to working to put food on the table and that grind, that grind, I can't see myself voluntarily grinding on. I think I just shift, like I I would work, but I would shift like what that work meant to me. Like right now when I would work because you want to, not because you have to, because I have to. And, And it's funny how that, that little thing, even if it's very similar work, that mental shift of why you're doing in the back of your head really does like, change the, the way you look at everything. Oh, like even if it was, if you, money was an issue, like you could, you may very well do the same exact thing you do now, but not even charge. Right. Just do it for free because you enjoy it. Maybe I should. Just free, free, free building your business's outbound strategy. Just make people <laughs> oodles and oodles of money, piles of money and say, oh, thanks, Kevin. Oh, man. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine that. That would be interesting. Yeah. Well, outbound coaching for equity. <laughs> look, that is a game I'm getting into. I'm going to be getting into that game. Uh, you should be very shortly. It's coming. Um, where I won't charge you anything, but I will take a, a small little sliver in hopes that that one day that pie will get really, really big. My small slivers with a lot. So awesome. Well, Colin, thank you so much for coming on. I really do appreciate it. How can people connect with you? If this is your opportunity to, to, to to pitch the people. Well, first thing you want to do before you do anything is drop a review for this podcast on whatever platform you're on. That helps the sales career podcast get into the ears of more people just like you so they can benefit. And then if you're looking for another podcast to check out, you can go check out sales transformation where we drop new content daily weekends included. 
weekends included. That is a grind. <laughs> Dude, seven, <laughs> seven pods a week, man. I love it. Well, mm. I've also been on the Sales Transformation Podcast. Can vouch that it is an awesome experience. Lots to learn there. Incredible guests. It's a who's who of everybody in the in the industry, in tech, in sales, in software, and other, other sectors. So, Colin, thanks for coming on, man. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. If this episode is interesting to you, please share your thoughts on LinkedIn or Twitter. Tag me, and I might just feature your post in an upcoming episode of the Sales Career Podcast. Or, if you want to connect directly, go to hopconsultinggroup.com and we'll find a way to work together. Cheers.